So for those of you who haven't been here or aren't familiar with what we do every morning, we have what's called the read and rant where we spend 20 to 30 minutes reading through scripture. And then afterwards we spend another 20 to 30 minutes uh, just reflecting over what the Lord is saying over the scripture that we're reading. The whole purpose of this is to prioritize our reading of scripture. Uh, what I intend for you to do as believers is to empower you, to empower you to read the word, to read the word in its totality. And so what we've done over the last uh, 11 and a half weeks now is we've we started in the book of Matthew and now we're in Revelation 16, reading for 20 to 30 minutes, literally half a net half a Netflix episode a day for half a Netflix episode. We have gone through the entire new Testament within 11 and a half weeks, guys. Um, and we're only reading on weekdays and we've had days that we've missed, um, missing a few days here and there. And really the whole purpose of it was to show you that while it may look intimidating, this elephant can be eaten one bite at a time. And, and that's really the whole, you know, that's the whole purpose of what, what, that's the primary purpose for why I'm here. Um, I want to empower you to read the scripture. And then afterwards, I just spent some time just reflecting on scripture. So I'm teaching you guys my posture uh, when I spend time in the word. Um, I usually read the word for three different reasons. And those three different reasons lead to three different postures. Um, the first posture is the obvious, which is I um, preach the word a lot. I'm, I'm preaching very often. And so obviously I spend time reading the scripture in order to prepare for whatever message the Lord is giving me to preach to the congregation on a weekly basis. But I actually spend more time now just reading the word to hear from God, reading it from a meditational perspective, a meditational posture. And then, of course, uh, I read the word for study purposes, meaning I read it just to study it to get to learn it, to become a student of the word. And so those are the, those are the three postures that I generally come with when I read the scriptures. But the one that I spend the most time in is this posture that we're doing here, which is where I just sit down and I read through an entire book and just ask to hear from God as I read that book. What is God saying? What is he got what is, what is God saying concerning himself? What is God saying concerning people? What is God saying or revealing concerning me? These are the three postures that, or the three questions that I ask as I'm reading the scriptures from a uh, meditational posture. And so that's what I want to teach you. I want to teach you how to engage in the word and to engage in the word from a meditational perspective, because once you've learned how to engage from a meditational perspective, you're learning how to engage with God because the Holy Spirit washes us with the word. The Holy Spirit is the one that reveals to us the truth of who he is. This word in this book, if I would just rant just for a little moment before I read, and then I'll rant afterwards, but this word was intended to be a love letter to his people. Sometimes when we read the word of God, we read it like it's some kind of textbook. And yet the word of God is not a textbook for you to understand with your intellectual facilities. The word of God was intended to be a letter written to his people, written to his children. So when you read it from that posture and that perspective, you have to understand that this word was intended to reveal who God is, to reveal who he is. God wrote this as a testament a final testament to us as his children. And if we're going to read this testament, then we can't simply just sit through and, and parse and snip through different words and different verses. And we're really good at etymologically decomposing the scripture and really good at expositing the scripture and exegeting the scripture and doing all of that. But what happens is, is that we get into all the exegeting, expositing and etymologically decomposing the word. And then we fail to actually get what the word was actually saying. And so what this does is this, allows us now to back up for a moment. We're just backing up for a moment and just reading the letter for what it is. And once we do that, then we get the real insight and the revelation of what God is saying in his word. And that's what we're coming here to do. That's why we're here. That's why we're engaging. And it's great to see you all as you engage with me in the word. So this, this is my intention. This is what I want for you. This is what I'm praying for you. I'm praying that the Lord would speak to you as we engage in the word. So I have nothing prepared. Okay. I come with nothing. Okay. I just come simply to hear from God and whatever the Lord is inspiring me to speak in the moment, I will speak to you. And that's what we call my rant because it's not really a sermon because it's not coordinated at all. It's just me ranting. Sometimes it's just all over the place. 
and I don't even know if it's all if if it all comes together. But somehow you guys say it's a blessing to you. So praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to give you a peek into what happens when I spend time in the reading of the Word, and I pray that it would do the same thing for you as you spend time in your reading of the Word. So with that being said, let's get into prayer, and then we're going to get right into it. Amen. Father, we thank you for this time. Lord, as we engage today, Lord, I pray that you would engage with us. Lord, let the word that we read today exegete us. Let it examine us. Let it pull uh, the things out of us that need to be pulled out. Let it remove the things in us that need to be removed. And let, let it, Lord, reveal your glory and your goodness. We pray that we would be encouraged by your word, inspired by your word today as we engage in it in this time of reading. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to read Revelation 16 and we'll go as far as we can. I don't know if we're going to finish Revelation today, but that that's that was the goal. We'll see if it happens. It happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But uh, the goal is to finish Revelations. So let's see if we can get to that. And then afterwards, you guys can sit around, hang around and endure me uh, ranting, um, <laughs> ranting through the scripture. So let's do it. Uh, Revelation 16. And it says this. So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth and fat and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea and it became blood as of a dead man and every living creature in the sea died. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water and they became blood. And heard the angel of the water saying, you are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and was and who is to be, because you have judged these things, for they have shed the blood of the saints and the prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their due. And I heard another from the altar saying, even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun and the power was given to him to scorch men with fire and men were scorched with great heat and they blasphemed the name of the Lord who has power over these plagues and they did not repent and give him glory. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and his kingdom became full of darkness and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and did not repent of their deeds. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits from the east. Sorry. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the things of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments. Lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And they gathered them together to a place called, in Hebrew, Armageddon. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and the loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, it is done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found, and great hail from heaven fell upon men each hailstone about the weight of a talent. Men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, since the plague was exceedingly great. Revelation 17. Then one of the seven angels who had seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So she carried away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast 
which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having her hand in a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. But the angel said to me, Why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, which has seven heads and ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is, here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. The beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth, and is of the seven, and is going to perdition. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings, who have received no kingdom as yet, but they have received authority from one hour as kings with the beast. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war with the lamb, and the lamb will overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. Then he said to me, the waters which you saw, where the harlot sits, are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. And the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot. Make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman whom you saw is that great city, which reigns over the kings of the earth. Hmm. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen and has become a dwelling place of demons a prison for every evil foul spirit and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you, and repair her double according to her works. In the cup which she has mixed, mix double for her. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as queen and am no widow. And will not see sorrow. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. The kings of the earth who committed fornication and live luxurious with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment will come. And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys her merchandise anymore. Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and 
and purple, silk and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron and marble and cinnamon and incense, fragrant oil and frankincense, fine and sorry, wine and oil, fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots and bodies and souls of men. The fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you. And all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you, and you shall find them no more at all. The merchants, the merchants of these things who become rich by her will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing and, uh, and saying, alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and purple pearls. For in one hour, such great riches came to nothing. Every shipmaster, all who travel by ship, sailors, and as many as trade on the sea stood at a distance and cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What is like this great city? They threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth. For in one hour she is made desolate. Rejoice over her, O heaven. And you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. Verse 21. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence, the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsmen of any craft shall be found in you anymore. The sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. The voice of the bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery, all the nations were deceived. And in her was found the blood of prophets and saints and of all who were slain on the earth. After these things, I heard a loud voice of great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power belongs to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication and has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Again, they said, Alleluia. Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sat on the throne saying, Amen. Alleluia. Then a voice came from the throne saying, praise our God, all of you, his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and the sound of many thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready and to let it and, and and to let her, it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said to me, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant. And of your brethren who have testimony of Jesus, worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Hmm. Now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. (laughs) His eyes were like flames of fire. And on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with the robe dripped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. And now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. Goodness gracious. That with it, he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with 
and with a rod of iron, he himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he has his on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun. And he cried with a loud voice saying to all the angels that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and of those who sit on them and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured with him, the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone and the rest were killed with the sword, which proceeded out of the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. Hmm. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold, sorry, of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. <laughs> and he and he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should not deceive the nations no more till a thousand years were finished. And after these things, he must be released for a little while. And I saw thrones and they sat on them. The judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshiped the beast or his image and had not received their mark on their foreheads or on their heads. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years, but the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Hmm. Blessed are, sorry, blessed and holy is he who is part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ who shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years had expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together into battle, whose number is as the sea, as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp and of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone were the beasts and the false prophets are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the bread who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged each one according to his works. The death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire, this is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Hmm. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw a holy city, New, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. 
There will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There will be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he sat on the throne and said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write these words. Sorry, write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and walked with me saying, come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. Oh man. Hmm. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God, her light was like most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Also, she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the lambs. And he who who talked with me had a gold reed measured the city, its gates, and its wall. The city is laid out as a square, its length as great as breadth. And and he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs, its length, breadth, and width all equal. Then he measured its wall, 140 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. The construction of its wall was of jasper, And the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with a kind of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third um, chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysopaz, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl and the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. But I saw no temple in it for the Lord God almighty and the lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it for the glory of God illuminated it. The lamb is its light. The nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. The king of kings bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. And they shall bring glory and the honor of the nations into it. There shall be no means to enter it. Anything that defiles or causes an abomination or lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Let's just finish it. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it and his servant shall serve him. They shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp 
nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light and they shall reign forever and ever. Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophet sent his son to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the word, the words of the prophecy of this book. Now I, John, saw and heard these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he said to me, see that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant and of your brethren of the prophets and those who keep the words of the book, worship God. And he said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of the book, for time is at hand. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. It's just so much here. And behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his works. I am the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates of the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the spirit of the bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. Let him, who, let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to them the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things that were written in this book. He who testifies to these things, surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Ah, amen and amen. There's a lot here to decipher. There's a lot here to unpack. There's a lot here to um, make sense of. Like I said before, I'm convinced now that I'm going to. I'm going to have to just do a, a separate session. Um, I was talking to Vanessa, my wife, uh, was it yesterday or the day before? And, you know, I was telling her that, um, I was like, you know, I think I really should do this, uh, this Bible study on revelation. I really think I, I, I need to do this Bible study on revelation and, and to do it on TikTok or to do it on Facebook. Maybe I'll do it on our Facebook live group. This is the read and rant, by the way, guys, if you ever miss a read and rant, Go and and join the font everywhere. It's our Facebook group where you can get, um, you can get all the the rants, the reads, and the rants, uh, uh, from from uh, our previous weeks. Um, and then we have also our podcast. If you follow me on IG, you'll see on the link in the bio in IG, you'll see a link to the read and rant podcast, which we've started, which actually. Um, I, uh, episode one was on Monday episode, sorry. Oh, episode two was on Monday. Episode three, um, starts or well, came out today, um, on Wednesday. So every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I put out, um, a read and rant, but it's from the ones that we did, uh, about, about 11 weeks ago. And eventually it'll catch up to the one we're doing here today. Um, but if you want to catch it like live and in effect, definitely join the Facebook group because I'm going to, um, I'm going to uh, 
posted right after this. So you can always catch it there. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think I'm going to do it on both. Um, yeah. Some people are like, yeah, you should definitely do it. Um, I, 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 we have to do a Bible study on revelation because there was so much that we just read just now. There's no way that I can, <laughs> that I can make sense of everything that you just read in the last like 20 minutes. It's no way. But I want to start by saying this. Congratulations, family. Congratulations, family. You have now read through the entire New Testament. From Matthew all the way to Revelation. I believe I have an engagement tomorrow, so I I don't we'll try to sneak in a talk tomorrow. Maybe we'll do just some talking and chopping some things up tomorrow. Um, as we just close out and reflect. So it may just be more of a rant than a read and a rant. But after Revelation, we're going now to Genesis and we're just going to read through the entire Old Testament. Okay. Um, not on a Monday or Wednesday. Okay. But I am planning on doing this on one of the evenings. We'll see. Um, I'll give you guys a heads up. But when I told my wife this, she was like, um, we're assuming you're going to do the Bible study. So uh, what do you mean you're thinking about doing it? And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it because revelation is, and I get, for those of you who have been attending the, the past few reading rants, I hope this was eye opening for you. Like, I hope, like, I hope it encourages you. I hope it was eye opening for you. Now that you've, now that I'm explaining revelation to you, that you're reading revelation from a whole different perspective. Now, when you read Revelation, you're going, oh, so that's what Revelation is about. Because Revelation, John tells us from the beginning of the Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to go back full circle and you're going to see now how Revelation makes more and more sense as you read through the entire Old Testament. And so, great. I'm glad. I'm glad that it's been an encouragement to you guys. And I'm glad it's been eye-opening. I'm glad it's been... Because when I read Revelation, I remember the first few times I read Revelation, I was like, this is this is nuts. Like, I don't know what's going on. This is crazy. This is out of control. I don't know what this is. And at one point, even in my ministerial career, I would not preach Revelation. I wouldn't preach it. I wouldn't teach it. I wouldn't instruct, I wouldn't give any instruction on it. And, um, and people, I I don't know if there's some people even from my community, from my church community. I know my wife's there. She'll, she'll tell you, I, I was like, you know, we should do a study on revelation. I'm not, I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for revelation. I'm not ready to go there yet because there are things I had not reconciled yet. And so, yes, we are cheating now. We're actually reading. We're going to read the old Testament with a cheat code because we read the new Testament first. Because the New Testament is the rev- is is the the Testament revealed. It's Christ revealed. The Old Testament is Christ concealed. And so now you're going to see the revel. You've you've gotten the revelation, and now you're literally cheating. You're going to read through the Old Testament with the cheat code. <laughs> that's exactly right, babe. You're going to read it with the cheat code. You're, you're actually cheating now. <laughs> that's good. Um, but you're going to see now how everything from the Old Testament points to revelation you're going to see how all these things point to revelation so i'm going to give you a cliff note and i'm just going to give you a word of encouragement because there's no way that i can go through all of this and teach this or instruct this because there's so much here there's so much here so much imagery so much just just it's it's just there's a lot there so let me preface by saying this okay let me preface by saying this. That's right, Phoebe. That's right. To help those who are new to the book of Revelation, remember, you have to read Revelation in the Old Testament prophetic code. Okay? Revelation is written in code. It's written in the code of the Old Testament. That's why... John iterates over and over again. He says that they in Revelation says they that have ears, let them hear. Um, 
We've heard Jesus say this before, but John is saying this as well. And they understood what he meant, that they, that they, they who have ears, let them hear. Meaning they who have gotten the revelation and understand and know the prophets, have an awareness of the prophetic revelations that they let them hear. And then he even says in this part portion of the text that we read, let them explain to those who do not understand. So John is intentionally writing in code because John is, John is, he needs this letter to circulate and get through all the churches in Asia Minor because he's warning them about what's about to transpire for them. Revelation is a book for them that helps us and encourages us today. When people write, when people remember, I said this before for people who read revelation as, as if it's some code about the end times that are coming have read it wrong. <laughs> okay. They, they, they're reading it wrong. They're teaching it wrong. It's all just wrong. But because John is writing in this code and the cipher of the code is the old Testament prophets. John is very careful about every image that he uses. He's very careful about every image. He's very careful about every picture because he he's presenting every image and every picture to something that is transpiring in that moment from something that has already transpired. So he's taking Daniel, Zechariah. He's taking um, he's taking the Old Testament books and he's bringing them into the present reality to help them understand how to navigate into their future reality. And so he's very, 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 very careful about every word he's saying. He's so careful about it that notice how the letter closes. He says, if anyone adds anything to this book, he said, they might as well go to hell. (laughs) I'm just going to cliff note it, paraphrase it put it in today's language. He's like, if anyone adds to this book, they might as well go to hell. If anyone subtracts anything from this book, let them be removed from the book of life. So, so he's saying that every word I have written here is of paramount importance. Someone who's writing in code, a prophetic spiritual code would say something like that. And so notice that if he doesn't, now I'm going to make sure you understand this. If there's something in this code that breaks or that the cipher cannot explain, then John explains it to them. For example, right? You you see the, uh, uh, what is it? The, 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 the 10 Kings, when he explains that, that, that this image represents the 10 Kings, he had to explain that because he knew that they would see that and they would try to go back and see where to decipher that from the old Testament prophets. So he made sure to be clear, the things that are direct, that aren't directly explained in the code will be explained by me here. So we have to read it this way. If there's something that you don't understand or an image that isn't clear, I just want to emphasize that if there, if there's an image that isn't clear, the 10 wise men, the 10 Kings, that's correct. Um, then you have to go back and read the old Testament prophets. And if you can't find it there, then he explains it here. Okay. If you can't find it there. Then he, so that's how you're supposed to read revelation. Why am I saying all this? Because John is coming to a close here in this letter. He's talking about how things are going to end. He's talking about the end times, not in the future, but in now our past for the sake of us understanding our future to give us hope for our future. And what he's saying is, if I can put it simply, because I only have I only have like five minutes. It's crazy. 
Oh, goodness. What, what, what he's saying is, is he's saying no matter what's happening in the world today, all the things that are transpiring, everything that's going down, what Nero is about to do to you, what Babylon is about to do to you, even when they form this empire where nations and kings, institutions, administrations, and governments come together, when the system seems to want to overpower you and suffocate you, when the system that is driven by the beast, the beast being driven by the dragon, the dragon being Satan himself, influencing the world through politics and economics. Yes, we got tomorrow. I might spend time tomorrow doing that. But the system that's being driven by politics and economics, power and money, making the politics and the economics divine, making the institutions gods, making the buildings gods, making the ideologies gods, glorifying them, because that's what the devil does. The devil takes systems and makes the system the God. He's saying when the institution seeks to press down upon you, he's saying, do not submit to the system. Do not succumb to the temptations that the system brings. Because if you follow the rules of the system, the system will promise you power. The system will promise you money. The system will promise you all the things that we see. However, the system will enslave you. And what he's saying is, is that if you submit to the system, you have a choice to either submit to the system or to submit to Christ. If you submit to the system, you're submitting to a loser because Christ has already won the battle because Christ has already overcome. And what Christ has come to do is he's come to destroy the system because he's come to destroy the system. He's come to establish the system in himself. He's come to establish a new order. That order is his kingdom. And that kingdom is the marriage of physical and spiritual. That kingdom is the new Eden. This new Eden is not just a physical reality. It's the reconciling of God to his people that when now this new system has been established, this new order, there will be only one thing that the system points to. That system will point to the, 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 the lamb that was slain. There will be a water that pours out of that system. That water is the imagery of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that through him now we become sons and daughters of God. This system now is a system that establishes a new kingdom a new Eden where there will not be sickness anymore, where there will not be suffering anymore. Where there will. So now what he's saying is, is he's saying that there's an establishing of a new system that Christ is about to establish, that this new system will not be established by guns. It will not be established by, by, um, by politics. It will not be established by money. It will simply be established by the sacrifice of Christ and God's people who, who give of their lives and give of themselves to see this establishing of the new world order. The new world order will be a Christ order that now defeats the world order. Now, why am I saying all that? I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time, but he's saying that you have a choice church. You can follow the system that promises you money, promises you fame, promises you power, promises you all those things. But he's telling you that that system will fail. He's telling you that system will fall. He's telling you that system will not succeed. And one day that system will have to choose either to submit to the power of Christ or to choose itself. And if that system chooses itself, it will silo itself and suffer the fate of what it's committed to the world. The system has brought fire. The system has brought suffering. The system 
I know it sounds, it sounds nuts, doesn't it? The system has brought suffering. The, this is the beast. And yet what he promises to us is he promises to us that we will overcome. We will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We will overcome with the word of the gospel. We will overcome with the message of Jesus Christ. I'm going to say one last thing. And I know this is weird that I'm going to say this here. That's right. The system is a setup. The system is a setup. This is why Christianity cannot be a system. (laughs) Oh, it's about to get tough. This is why Christianity can't fall under a system. This is why Christianity cannot be ruled by governments. This is why we see these denominations and what these denominations look like are systems. Uh, uh, These denominations look like forms of government. You know, they sit around with their high class people who sit down and they vote on policies and procedures. They vote on protocols, not realizing that they're submitting to a system. The beast, the beast is a system (laughs) and, and the beast can infiltrate the church. And what John is saying to them is he's saying to them, I don't have time. I'm sorry, fam. I wish I wish I had more time. Um, The beast is a system. Okay, the beast is a system that is being fueled by the spirit of the dragon. The dragon is Satan. And what he's saying is, is the system is what we saw in the Roman Empire. The system is the Roman Empire. And he says that system will fail. And what happened to that system? That system failed. The Roman Empire didn't last. The Roman Empire fell. What John prophesied would happen, happened. And this is a warning to us that that system is still happening and moving in the spirit. That system just goes from one people to another people, to another people, to another people. And this system causes pain, pestilence, disease. This system causes bloodshed. This system causes racism. This system causes sexism. This system causes economic injustice. This system causes the rich to press on the poor. This system, the system, the system, the system. And what he's saying is, is that the church will be tempted by the system to submit to the system. So now what we have is, I'm ranting now because I, I know I got to close. I don't, I'm not even going to have time. I'm sorry. I'm ranting, but let me just go and throw it out there. There's a problem when the Christian church looks like the American government. There's a problem when the Christian church has heads of state and congresses who vote on matters of the church. There's a problem there. That's the beast. That's the beast that John is warning about, warning us about. There's a problem when denominations forge battles against each other. It's the system. There's a problem because there's a there's a system. Um, um, the beast is why the church feels like it has to lobby with Congress. There's a problem when it's the system because the system is the beast. Now, it doesn't mean that people weren't called into the system, but they weren't called to be subject to the system. So there's a problem when the system is running the show. Now churches are not driven by bringing people to Jesus. Churches are driven by dollars, by positions, by hiring, by popularity, by cultural congruence. The system, the system and the word of warning that I have family, because we read this, like it's this weird, weird letter in this weird book. Like it's weird like this. No, no, He's talking about what the church will be, 
where the church will be seduced by. You know he's talking to their church, right? What the church will be seduced by. And now the church has been seduced by it. And he talked about the consequence of that. Don't let me get started with the Roman Catholic Church, please. Please don't let me do that, Patty. Please, please don't let me get started. It doesn't mean that the Catholics in the Roman Catholic Church aren't Christian. God's grace is bigger than that. However, there's a system that became a government when popes become kings. There's a problem there. When the Protestant movement looked to break away from the system, the Protestant movement became a system itself. And so now we have rites and rituals and, and, and order of things. And now we have politics and polity. We, we don't like using politics anymore. So we say church polity as if we made it better. You can't, you can't superimpose Jesus on something and then call it Christian. We make the church about temples. We make the priests higher level Christians who dress in garments and robes. We make the sermons gods. And yet Christ came to destroy all of this. Case in point, we read it. I know we, we don't have enough time to get there, but go back to that last chapter. He even said these temples have been torn down. Now there's a new temple and this new temple is the temple of God and the lamb. We are the temple of God. We are the living stones. He's saying that the church is not a place you go to. The church was never a place you go to. The church was a people that you are. Oh. And what he's calling his people to do is to come against the beast. That's right. That's right. The church is in us. He talks about this new government. I'm going to, now this is where it gets a little hooky. Oh my gosh. Okay. I got to go. I'm sorry. I got to go, but I, I feel, I feel, I feel the Lord just leading me through this. That when Adam and Eve, Eden, we, we, we talk about Eden as a geographical location, but Eden was both geographical and spiritual. Eden was where God resided. If you notice, I had a moment there because I understood what the Hebrews meant when the term mountain was used. Mountain was the place of God, the presence of God. Eden was different than any other place on the earth. That's why often when people are looking for Eden and they're trying to find Eden, they can't find it because Eden is a spiritual reality in a physical place. Eden was the marriage of spiritual and physical. It was where man had the freedom to rule as God intended him to rule. Man, and, and so then he calls man, he says, be fruitful and multiply because what he wanted mankind to do is to spread Eden all over the earth. Eden was in one location, but Eden wasn't a location. Eden was a state of being, the marriage of physical and spiritual. It was God's rule and God's presence in that moment. And now he asked them, to bring that presence with them everywhere they went because they were made in the image of God according to his likeness. And yet they chose instead to live out their rule because being made in the image of God is to actually be the representative of God. And so now that they weren't representing God, they moved without the presence of God. And so now in all other places, and of course, God left Eden, Eden disappeared. The location is still there. Eden wasn't there. Okay. And so what happened now is because they chose their own reality, there was a fracture, a separation of sorts between the spiritual that is heaven 
and the physical, that is earth. And yet there was a point of overlap between heaven and earth. And that point of overlap between heaven and earth was Jesus Christ himself. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. And so at that cross was the fruition of the kingdom of God that became reality. And now heaven and earth became joined in one moment. And in that moment in the grave, we saw what happens when heaven and earth meet together. Death is defeated. That death isn't a reality anymore because heaven and earth were overlapped in Jesus Christ. And in that moment on in that grave, when he rose from that grave, he revealed that heaven and earth can be reconciled once more again. That they who believe in him can now begin to see the fruition and the intertwining of heaven and earth. And the moment that they begin to see the intertwining of heaven and earth, he's reconciling all things. And when heaven and earth are fully reconciled again, there will be no pain. There will be no sorrow. There will be no sickness because where God is, there cannot be sickness. Where God is, there can So now this thing is coming to fruition, not by swords, not by guns, not by governments, not by institutions, but by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross and that sacrifice being lived out in us. Now he's restoring our image. And when he restores our image, evil will be defeated, not by military might. Evil will be defeated by the message of the gospel in our sacrificial love for one another. <laughs> and evil will have to choose itself because good will always overcome evil. God always wins. God always wins. Let me say that again, family. God always wins. Ready for this? He has already won. He has already overcome. We have yet to step into the reality of what he's already overcome. And yet what God promises us is a new heaven and a new earth. He promises a new garden. He promises a new Eden. And in this Eden, we will flourish on the earth to rebuild this earth where there is no pain, no sorrow. We're not looking to leave the earth. God's plan, if you read this text, I hope you read through Jerusalem and realize nowhere in this plan was God's plan for us to leave the earth and for us never to come back to it. God's plan wasn't to destroy the earth, family. God's plan was to renew the earth. <laughs> oh. And yet God, because he gave us authority. Okay, I'm ranting. And, and God, because he gave us authority and because he places his name above himself, knows that the establishing of this new heaven and this new earth can only be done through mankind. Mm. And so he had to come as a man. He had to die on the cross for all sin. He had to go into a grave and he had to rise from a grave to show that heaven and earth weren't completely separated. And what John is revealing in the revelation in the book of revelation is in Jesus Christ, that reality in the grave, that sliver of Eden right there, can now become a reality. Guys, you understand that there were that we went from garden to garden to garden with Christ. Garden to garden to garden. Garden of Eden to the garden of Gethsemane to the garden where the grave was. From Eden to death to a foreshadowing of Eden, to a new garden, the mountain of God, in which justice has been restored. Um, let's be encouraged because ready for this, no matter what we're going through today, we live knowing that it was already accomplished. We live with the confidence to know that God has already done it. We live with the confidence of knowing that death has already been defeated. We live knowing that heaven is not that far heaven is not that far away family heaven is not that far away heaven is already here and in him we can experience heaven 
Yes, Jared, heaven is already here. And yet we've been given the privilege to be able to experience it in Jesus Christ. That's why he said he's coming soon. He's coming soon. The time has come and now is. And so as we pray, I pray that you would be encouraged. We'll talk a little bit more. Maybe I'll chop it up tomorrow. Um, but I got to go. I'm I'm now like five, six minutes behind what I want it to be. <sighs> Father, we thank you, Lord, that you've brought us here. Lord, I thank you for everyone who's journeyed with us from the beginning, Lord, reading from Matthew and now have read all through Revelation. Father, I ask that, Lord, we would begin to decipher your code as we read through the Old Testament, Lord, as we begin to journey through the Old Testament, that we would decipher your code, that we would begin to see Jesus in all that you've done throughout the Old Testament to know, Lord, that this was always your plan, that you planned this from the beginning. Ah, God, I thank you, Lord, that you're giving us revelation. And Lord, unlike, unlike those who came before us, unlike Abraham, unlike Isaac, unlike Jacob, unlike Ezekiel, unlike Isaiah, unlike Daniel, unlike Hosea, we have the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so we thank you for that. And we glorify your name that you can give us the confidence to read your word and to grow and to be fed by your word. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen.